Well, good morning, everyone, and a uh, happy new year. I can't get away with saying Merry Christmas still, can I? Is that sure. Merry Christmas? I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. Um, just before we uh, get digging in a little bit this morning, uh, if you are, well, I'll, watching this morning, you're already watching, then that's good. Uh, but we'd encourage you, we're going to be participating in communion together, and it's uh, a little different not being able to do that in person with you all, but uh, as you are each in your own homes, I'd encourage you just uh, over the next couple of minutes, go and find some crackers, whatever you have, if you've got bread, if you've got some grape juice, if you've got wine, if you've got water, whatever it is. Um, just collect those elements, and then afterwards we're going to be participating in communion together, so um, make sure you have those elements ready for yourself. Uh, but before I get into the sermon, I thought I'd share just a quick story with you guys. Um, so there was a couple in their 90s, and they were uh, physically healthy, but they were realizing that they were having difficulties remembering certain things. And so they decided to go to uh, the doctor and get checked up, see if anything was wrong. And as they were uh, getting looked at by the doctor, he said that they were physically okay, but um, mentally, they were just having difficulties remembering, so he encouraged them to start writing things down. So if you realize you might forget a certain detail, just to keep a pad and paper with you and write that down so you can remember later. Um, so as, they, as the couple got home and were watching TV later that night, uh, the man gets up to go to the kitchen, and the wife asks, Oh, while you're up, can, can you grab for me a bowl of ice cream? And the man says, oh, Of course, of course, yeah, for sure. Uh, and his wife tells him then, well, you might want to write that down. It's, it's hard to remember these kind of things for us both, right? And the old man, no, no, it's okay. I, I can remember that. A bowl of ice cream. I got that. And she's like, oh, oh, one more thing. Can you, can you put strawberries on top of the ice cream? And he's like, okay, yep, strawberries and ice cream. And she says, are you, you sure you don't want to write that down? You might forget. I don't want you to forget my strawberries. And getting a little frustrated now, he thought, no, I've got this. I can remember. Strawberries and ice cream. That's good. And right as he's walking into the kitchen, she says one more thing. She's like, oh, oh, and can I, can I have whipped cream on top? And you better grab a pen and paper to remember those things. Write them down. And quite frustrated this time, he says, no, no, I remember. I got the ice cream, you got strawberries, and you got whipped cream on top. We're good. And so he storms off to the kitchen to make the things. And after about 20 minutes, he comes back to uh, his wife carrying a plate of bacon and eggs. And he passes it to his wife and as she stares at the plate for a moment, she looks up at her husband and says, where's the toast? Um, now, being able to remember, I'm sorry, that was a pastor joke, it's still good, but uh, being able to remember past events is a very biblical principle, but um, forgetting things in the past is a very human thing to do. Uh, now, all throughout the Bible, there are these festivals and traditions and practices that God puts in place in order for um, his, his people, the Israelites, uh, back in uh, the Old Testament days, uh, to understand who he was and what he had done in the past for them. Uh, and many of these practices and traditions we still carry on to this day. So uh, last week, uh, we celebrated Christmas, and we um, celebrated maybe a little less with family this year, but uh, still no less the celebration of the fact that the greatest gift was ever given to us, the Messiah. At, um, at communion, we practice the eating of bread and drinking of wine in order to symbolize uh, the last supper that Jesus had to remind us of the sacrifice that he made for our own sins. 
And at weddings, for instance, even when we read 1 Corinthians 13, the typical love chapter, uh, love is patient, love is kind, in order to remind us about the basis of love that marriage should be established upon. And even though we still practice many of these traditions and we still have these things going in place for us to remember, they can sometimes slowly lose their meaning over time as other things take over. Uh, so Christmas time, for instance, like I said, we remember and celebrate the birth of the Messiah, but in our culture, it can be easy to become distracted uh, from the true meaning with all the gifts and making sure that our Christmas lights look better than our neighbors do. Um, at Easter time, we, we celebrate uh, the fact that the payment was made, that Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins, for our own freedom, but that can get overrun by chocolate bunnies and making sure that we get that day off uh, in order to have a big turkey dinner. We can be bad at remembering things. And much like the old couple talking about the uh, ice cream and still getting the bacon and eggs, uh, we too can forget important things. Though hopefully our memories are a little better than theirs. Uh, but this morning, I want to look at the practice of remembering throughout the Bible and the significance it has in our own lives. And I'm not going to lie, I was very, very tempted to create like a sermon slide that said hindsight 2020, but I refrained. Um, so to help us this morning, uh, I want to look at some stories from the book of Exodus and what God did through Moses and his people during that time. So um, if you are familiar with the story of Moses, or maybe if you've even just seen The Prince of Egypt, a great movie, I'd recommend it as well, um, you'll probably recall this story a little better, but I'll, I'll kind of summarize it as much as I can here. Now, the book of Exodus... Uh, talks about and tells the story of the Israelites leaving their captivity from Egypt. And after being in Egypt and being enslaved to them for 430 years, God spoke to a man named Moses uh, to uh, save his people from their enslavement in Egypt, from their captivity. Now, I'm sure you've probably heard the story a thousand times. Maybe you haven't. Um, I find kind of the 10 plagues that, you know, are talked about in Exodus are pretty common among Christians, non-Christians. Most people have heard the story. Uh, if you haven't, though, incredible. I'd really recommend you go to the book of Exodus, read it. There's a lot of interesting stuff. There's plagues, miracles, um, and God works all these things in order to set free his people from their captivity. But Right before the Israelites are um, released from their captors, uh, there's one terrible plague that comes over the land. And in this instance, God commands his people to kill a sheep, uh, to take its blood, and to paint their doorpost with it so that uh, their firstborn child wouldn't die because God was going to send his angel uh, through the entire country of Egypt um, and so for anyone who didn't paint their doorposts with blood, their firstborn was going to pass away. Now, I don't know about you, but that is really weird. Um, and that's okay. Just because the story has a familiarity to it, um, we can lose that weirdness. But I mean, if we were to see our neighbors going out and painting their doorposts with blood, that would be very, very weird. Uh, but God told the Israelites to do this very weird practice for a very good reason. It's because... He was going to um, work in such a great way because he was going to kill the firstborn of every household who didn't paint their doorpost with blood. Now, not only that, and again, it just gets a little weirder and weirder as we go along, the people were commanded to prepare a meal of bread made without yeast in it. So 
as they ate their tortillas and pitas uh, in the middle of the night, the king of Egypt commanded that the Israelites get up out of Egypt and leave. So God sends the final plague of killing everyone's firstborn. Uh, then they have to paint their doorposts with blood. They got to eat their pitas and tortillas. And then they got to get up in the middle of the night to, in order to leave the country. And if that doesn't strike you as weird, I don't know what will. The book of Judges, actually. We'll get there. That's a very weird one. Uh, but after all this happens, God then tells his people to celebrate this instance of their release from captivity um, by yearly having a week where they would celebrate um, they would celebrate this festival with eating their pitas and tortillas, their unleavened bread, uh, for a week in order to help them remember what God had done in their past, to remember that God had freed them from their captivity. Now, like I said, even if you've heard this story a hundred times or if you haven't, um, it's easy to kind of get lost in the details sometimes, and I never really thought about why God wanted them to celebrate this festival. Like, yeah, sure, to remember, but what's the importance behind remembering? What is the significance of actually going through an entire week of eating bread without leaven in it just to symbolize what God had done in the past? Now, it's an important act of remembering, but why is that important? Why specifically did God want that for his people? Uh, well, in Leviticus, actually, he gives a really good explanation as to why uh, they should celebrate the Passover. He says, It was I who rescued you from the land of Egypt that I might be your God. I am the Lord. That's it. Um, it it's almost the way like a parent comes across. Like, um, why should the Israelites remember what you know, happened in the past? Well, because I'm God. Do what I say. Like, that's, that's almost how it seems, but um, it's a little bit more hopeful than that, or a little bit more understanding. It's kind of like the answer um, a parent would give to a child who asked about why they brush their teeth. Um, and the parent, they're not going to explain to their kid the concept of plaque and bacteria and gingivitis, uh, because the kid won't understand, and so they simply tell their child, do it for your own benefit, do it because it's good, and not much explanation behind it sometimes. You need to do it for your own good. And I can't explain to you why, because you couldn't understand. It's as if God is saying, he knows more than us, and he wants us to trust him. Maybe. Think about it like this. We would often make the same mistakes over and over again if we had no ability to remember. Like, uh, how many of us have touched a hot stove before? Am I like, am I? Okay, good. Okay. For the few people in the crowd, I appreciate your hands. I... Glad I'm not the only one. But, um, right, if we had no ability to remember, then every time we looked at that hot element, we'd be like, oh my gosh, it's pretty red. Why is it so? Okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Oh, cool, look at the element over there. It's so, right? We, again, a ridiculous example. But if we had no ability to remember, we would make these same mistakes again and again and only hurt ourselves. The, the act of remembering is an important one an important practice for us. And in Exodus, God asks his people to celebrate the Passover so that they would remember and learn to trust God. Remember that they can trust God for everything that he was going to be leading them through over the few and many years ahead of them. It served as a reminder for them to trust God no matter how real the threat that they were facing. It reminded that God worked in the past and that he's greater. Of how God showed himself stronger than even the very real things that enslaved them. 
That's why it's also important for us to celebrate remembering, for us to remember things that God has done, um, whether that be in the Bible, that we can trust as truth to remind ourselves of the stories, but also the things in our own personal lives that God has brought us through, how we've seen his redemption been working out in our lives. So what has God done in your life? Now, it might seem like this would be a bad year to reflect on the past events uh, because 2020 doesn't seem so good in, in hindsight sometimes. It began with wildfires ravaging most of Australia, killing millions of animals. Uh, then we had a pandemic that lasted for over a year, causing many lockdowns and difficulties. Uh, there was a threat of murder hornets at one point, if you remember. Like, honestly, it's just starting to sound like 2020, the plague or the 10 plagues nowadays, but... Um, just because these events seem terrible, just because nothing seemed to go well or our own way, doesn't mean that God wasn't working. It doesn't mean that God wasn't in control either. So what has God done in your life this past year? Because when bad things happen, it can become easy to focus on them rather than focusing on what God is doing. So what was your focus on this past year? Was your focus more on whether or not people were engaging with social distancing or following the rules, or was it on learning how to listen to the voice of God better? Many of us have had more free time than we've ever had in our lives this past few months, and some of us have had less, but did we, did we choose to spend our time more with Facebook or Jesus? Now, I'm not saying these things to discourage you. I'm not saying these things to accuse you, or worst of all, I'm not saying these things to make you feel ashamed. I want to help you recognize what God is doing in your life. I want to encourage you in what he's calling you to pursue. Because like I said, it's easy for us to focus on the things that aren't going well or our own way or the things that even offend us at times. It's easy to want to hurt our enemy when they hurt us. It's easy to try and call out the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye when we've got a tree trunk in our own eyes. But, again, my point isn't for you to feel guilty or regret how you've acted this past year. And for, for many, this past year has even just been simply trying to survive. For some of you, it's just hoping to make it through the day. My hope is for you that you would realize you can't do it on your own. You can't take the tree trunk out of your, own without, out of your eyes without God's help. Without God's help, you can't forgive those who hurt you. Because we're meant to realize we're not strong enough on our own. Our role is to simply turn towards God, to set our focus on the one who loves us unconditionally. Now, if you're looking back over the past year and feeling guilty and regretful, that's okay. Even if you've wasted this past year, even if it's felt like you've totally turned your back on God, it's okay because God always welcomes us back. God wants you to come to him. In, in Revelation 3, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. To anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with him and he with me. That's, that is the good news. Jesus says, come and eat with me. I am the one knocking. He doesn't say, get rid of your alcohol problems. He doesn't say, do 10 nice things for other people before I can you know, forgive what you've done in the past or look past what you are. God loves us as we are. Jesus says, come as you are. Don't try to hide the things that you feel ashamed or afraid about or guilty of, but bring them to me and let me help you with them. Now, 
I realize it's easy to say or speak Christianese and say, set your focus on God and, and go in the path he's leading you in. So I want to actually practically look at what we can do. So from the story of Passover, we learn that one thing that helps us to set our focus more on God is the, the act of remembering. Now, this might look like practically reading our Bibles. Um, Dustin shared the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, that's an incredibly encouraging story uh, in times of difficulty to remember that we can focus on God, that we can uh, make it through difficulties and trust that he is good, even if things don't turn out the way we want them to. Or, or it might look like meditating on your own and realizing the things that God has brought you through in your past. What has God redeemed you from? Because it's easy to forget these things when life isn't going well. It's easy to lose that perspective. Now, another great way uh, we can practice remembering or we can set our focus back on God rather than the things in the world that um, offend us or make us angry, depressed, uh, is to practice remembering together. Now, uh, like I said, we're going to be participating in communion together and we do this as a body because we can remember together the price that Jesus paid for us. We can celebrate the freedom, the ransom for our lives that Jesus made. Now, the act of remembering is also helpful, uh, like I said earlier, from keeping us from making the same mistakes in life. Uh, and the book of Judges is a fantastic example of this. And again, if you haven't read the book of Judges, please. Uh, it's an amazing story. Really weird, but great story. But the entire uh, book of Judges follows kind of this weird cycle where uh, the Israelites, they start off and they forget what God has done for them, and so they turn to other gods of the land and they worship them. Uh, so that's the first one. Then second off, they, um, God raises up a leader to free them from their, or sorry, God gives them into their captivity. Uh, then third, God raises up a leader to save them from their captivity. And then fourth, uh, Israel lives at peace while the leader or person who had saved the nation uh, is still alive. And then that person dies and they turn right back to their other gods and sin. And this whole book is just this sad cycle of Israel turning from God, God raising up a leader in order to save them, and them falling away after the leader passes. And it's easy to, you know, reading a third-person objective uh, view of this story. It's easy to say, oh, okay, well, you know, they're just stupid Israelites. Uh, why didn't they realize they were just being idiots? When, in reality, I think that we do the same when we don't remember, when we don't recall what God has done in the past, how he has helped us, what he has helped us through, and how he has redeemed us, it can be easy to stumble into the same mistakes that we've made. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul explains the reason why we read the stories, and even specifically of Exodus, why there's a record of it for our own benefit. Um, he says this in chapter 10, starting at verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples, and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. 
We have these stories. We have truth written for us in order for us not to make the same mistakes. Uh, I like what uh, Pastor Rick Warren has to say about this. He says, you know, if we can learn from our own mistakes, that great, but it's even better if we can learn from the mistakes of other people, of not having to make those mistakes, but just to learn from them. We, we practice the act of remembering in order to keep us from making the same mistakes they did. We're continually making the same mistakes in our own lives. It's a healthy practice to remember what God has redeemed us from as well in your own personal life. Like I said, when, when life isn't going well, it's easy to forget what God has done. It's easy to forget that he is stronger than, than the depression, than the anxieties, than the financial burdens than the relational struggles that we face as well. And when we remember the difficulties that he's brought us through in the past, it allows us to focus on God in truth of what he can do in our current circumstances and situations. But also, it helps us to be thankful. It helps us to recognize that God has truly worked in our lives. It also helps us to then, out of that thankfulness, show that same mercy to other people who make mistakes. So what has God brought you through? How has God redeemed you? Uh, we're going to move into a time of communion, and as we do, I'll, uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read a section of scripture here, and then I'm going to close that time with prayer. Uh, but I'm going to leave us about one or two minutes, and as you partake in the elements during this, this moment of silence, I'd encourage you just to reflect on what God has redeemed you from in your own life. How have you seen God's faithfulness in your own life? What has he saved you from? So I'll open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you that you are God and that we can trust you. God, when, when our circumstances seem confusing, uncertain, and when we don't know even the next steps we should take, God. We thank you that you are faithful to walk alongside us, to lead us with your righteous right hand. But God, we, we just ask for, in these moments, um, help us to remember. Help us to recognize the ways you've worked in our past, God. Help us not to look past the things you've done uh, and to focus on the current struggles that we face. It's so easy to, Lord. And we just ask for your help. And so I just ask during this time that you would allow us to to enter into a time of recognition of the sacrifice you made for us. Bless us, God. Thank you that you have already. In your name, amen. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 23 to 26 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for the great sacrifice you've made for us. We thank you that we can celebrate this with each other. And I ask that as we... Just take these moments to reflect on how you've saved us. God, bring to our memories the things that you want us to see. Uh, bring to our memories the things that you have done in our lives. And God, I just ask that the distractions, that the things that take our focus away from you, um, that you would set those aside in our lives. 
that you would show us as greater, that you would show yourself as greater than that. We thank you for this time, Lord, in your name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you that we can have the ability to remember how you've worked in the past. And God, as we go throughout our week, and as we, as we go through the difficulties, and as we face joys and struggles in the same week, help us to recall, bring to our memories, God, the ways in which you've redeemed us. And in the moments we need you most, God, help us to recognize just your presence with us. But Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are faithful to help us as well. Lead us in the way we should go, Father. In your name, amen.